See this? This is my boomstick! got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. Oh my gosh, we are back on air. Once again, this is, of course, Slow Robot A Go-Go, the show dedicated to B3Z grade movies. My name's Mao, and uh, this is show 299. Wow, that's a lot of shows. Uh, you know, I think next week I should watch 300 for 300, but that's almost the most cliche thing you can do ever. But uh, I'm not saying I'm not going to do that because I'm all about the cliches, but you never know. All right, so yeah, uh, onward and upward. Uh, this week I picked a, a real interesting movie. Um, I do not know how this eluded me as a child, but uh, before I do that, I will get into some of the sh- movies I've watched this week. There's a pretty good list going. Uh, I watched Infinity Chamber, and that's one of those, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just like a time, not a time travel thing, just one of those wacky... Uh, sci-fi kind of movie, whatchamacallits. And then I watched Four Got Ten, and I watched Clone Hunter, and then I uh, then I watched a documentary called Easy to Learn, Hard to Master, The Fate of Atari. And that wasn't it. I, you know, I, I don't know if you're on Netflix or any of these streaming uh, places, but boy, the, uh, the flood of documentaries that has hit these ser- services is kind of unheralded. And I think it's because there's so many of them out there, you know. You know, all the all these places at Hulu and Netflix and Roku, they're starving for content that they can actually play. So they're, you know, now is where documentaries are starting to shine. So basically, if you like anything, anything that you're into, you know, just search out, search it out, and and it'll probably be there. I still can't find Tilt though. There's there's one about pinball that I've been dying to watch, Tilt, the pinball uh, documentary kind of thing, and that's one that uh, I haven't found or hasn't haven't seen pop up yet. Um, maybe I should just go on Amazon and look because I'm sure it's it's out there somewhere. It's not like it's uh, rare. It's just I, I I first found it on DVD and it was like thirty some bucks. And I was like, no, I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna do that. Uh, but uh, I'll get it sooner or later. So anyway, the, the, the Easy to learn, hard to master. The fate of Atari was a good one because um, obviously uh, I'm a kid from that era. That's when I when I was growing up. You know, 1978. I was one of those kids that ripped open some mystery box in Christmas and bang, there was an Atari. And to be honest with you, I don't even remember asking for it. I don't even know if I had any concept of what a video game was. But my parents were hip and with it, and uh, did the Macarena. Tucka, 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 tucka. Oh. So they got that for Christmas, and I was running around like a nut. And from my mother's recollection, she went to bed hearing the, sp- the Space Invaders, boot, 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 and she woke up with that. Yeah. So that was the soundtrack for my life for about uh, five years or six years, until the Nintendo came. Um, I, was, I was struck by that. This is something, when I was reading, I read a book... Um, about Ed Roth, you know, Ratfink, uh, uh, and I was reading a book about his stuff, and I was, it struck me how short of a period of time he was, like, out there and doing stuff, you know, and that's the same thing with Atari. Atari was, like, this, this company that kind of hit and, and broke every rule possible and broke every, like, morality you know you hear all these crazy stories about these things they were doing and drugs and all this kind of stuff and and it was literally like 77 through 81 you know and now imagine that like this 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 company hits and becomes insanely huge and then just goes not goes away atari's still around but it's it was prevalent for like four years and then it was like whatever you know and and it's amazing to me you know, because to have that kind of a cultural impact, uh, you know, they were even talking a little bit about how Atari kind of shaped Silicon Valley's culture a little bit. Now, they were, of course, born from it, but it was also one of those things where they were, you know, they became almost one of those models that people are like, well, if you want to be cool, be like Atari was, you know, hot tubs and cocaine and just whatever and lax dress codes and stuff like that. I don't know about the hot tubs and the cocaine part, but I know about the lax dress code and the be be flexible. 
I've never had the opportunity to work for someplace like that because uh, I just never have. Everything I've, every place I've ever worked was that uh, clocking on time or you're fired uh, kind of mentality. Not fired, but you know what I'm saying. So it was a very good one. If you know, I'm always, I always am on the lookout for video game documentaries. Uh, there's tons of them out there, you know. Um, but they're always interesting to me. I mean, if you don't like video games, then of course it'd be boring. But I, I have always loved video games. I haven't, I have, you know, for how much I say I love video games, I don't spend a lot of time playing them as, as I should. I don't know why. It's weird. I should do that more often than, uh, but then I'm always watching B-movies for you guys so you can hear all about crazy movies. Then I watched one that struck a chord on many levels. It was called Corporate FM. Now... If you're a fan of this show and you listen to it every week, thank you, first of all. But secondly, you'll know, you'll hear that I say I do a couple shows over on uh, Radio St. Pete. At RadioStPete.com, it's, of course, an online place, but it does have, I, it does have a radio station, too. So I, I, I was always very interested in it. Um, I like doing the shows there, and uh, you know, I'm in a bit of a transition period with that whole thing. I did, I did one called Asian Cult Cinema. Well, did up till next week. And uh, and I do one called the Indie Circuit. Now, the Indie Circuit is just kind of me talking about whatever and playing, uh, like, all kinds of music. Um, and I discovered more and more over the years, I've been collecting more and more, like, Japanese punk and Japanese garage, stuff I like. And uh, and I was like, why don't I start, just start doing a separate show? Because the Indie Circuit, honestly, became Japanese punk hour, you know? And... Um, that's not really indie. I mean, it is, but it's not. You know what I mean? Like so, so, so I pitched it to uh, Radio St. Pete Corporate and said, "Hey, can I do a second show?" And it's becoming more and more difficult for me to watch three movies a week. I say that when I'm reading off like ten movies I watched, but this w- this week was a little different. Um, and doing them for shows like for this show, and then doing another one for the Asian Cult Cinema was time consuming. You know, when you do a music show, you're just talking and doing some music stuff. That's a little bit easier. Uh, so I transitioned, I'm transitioning away from that one and just starting a second music show called Saki Bama Gogo. So that's going to be basically Sunday nights from 10 to midnight or, you know, the Mao hour. Uh, luckily Promi shows up to the studio too and we, uh, he's a little bit, uh, helps me talk at stuff. So, you know, of course, being a little bit in that world always intrigues me, like learning about radio. Cause in my estimation, radio sucks. Um, I hadn't w- listened to radio for like years and years until I got a little Fiat that I drive around and um the radio totally sucks on that one like it has like have a I'd have a disc and then I have um a flash drive a USB drive now in my S2000 I have an, a USB drive that you put it in and you hit random and it's it, it plays like you know I have these flash drives with the thousands of songs on them so that's all I've ever listened to well on this freaking Fiat like the random doesn't work right. Like, it'll play, like, one or two songs, and it just forgets and just starts at one and goes through them again. And every time you hit a bump, like, I think it resets and goes... So I'm like, oh, my God, it just sucks. So I've been listening to a little bit more radio now, sadly, until I rip the radio uh, radio out of that Fiat and put a better one in that has a real random in it. Um, so, But still, ra- radio is like this loop of ten songs or so, and who gives a shit, you know? So I I don't understand whatever happened to radio. And then, well, the corporate FM kind of talks a lot about that. It shows how, you know, Congress struck down some of these rules and then these corporations came in and bought up all the radio stations. So like four or five places own every radio station. And um, except for a few struggling ones that are trying to be out there on their own. And of course, they get bought up or they go away. So they tell them what songs they have to play. You know, and and it is literally like those ten songs. You know, okay, here's some Skinner, here's some Journey, here's some blah blah blah. So you know, it de- it kind of devolves into just this same crap. They don't let you listen to anything new. You know, so I was always kind of proud of the 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 show I do because it's playing stuff that my God, no one would ever hear or listen to or find on their own. You know, some of that stuff's really out there, and I love playing that stuff because it's odd and weird, and people go, "Wow, what the hell is this?" Um, you know. And then they talked about these companies that are doing this. And this is where the part where I was like, oh, that sounds exactly like what happened. I used to have a job I thought I was pretty good at where I was making, uh, uh, I was graphic designer. You know, I'm not going to say the company, the, the, the company name, because that would be whatever. I might have legal issues and I'm not pulling my show down. So, you know, so I worked for this place 
and they got bought by a company that buys and sells companies, just like the people that buy and sell radio stations. So they buy them, they gut them, they don't care about long-term plans because there is none, and there's no way to lose because of tax loopholes, and then they sell them and make millions. Well, that's what happened to this place I used to work at. It's a pretty big place, um, and, and I really like the job, but they took it, and they're, they're just slashing everyone out of it. They're gutting it. You know, the, the, the graphics department was 40 strong, 50 strong, and now it's in India. You know, so that bye-bye buy my job. And and that's what it is. It's just, so the, the same thing that is currently happening to radio happened to me exactly like a year ago, two years ago, well, one year ago. So it just was one of those things where as I watched it, I was like, oh, I hate this. And then they were talking a lot about how this shouldn't be legal. Um, not, not the thing that happened to me. I mean, companies get bought and sold all the time. We just got bought by a... What what the 80s corporate raiders, you know, like the same things that, you know, like the Gordon Geckos of the world, that they're still there. It's just now it's legal and they can't lose any money. So that's what was happening. That's what's happening to radio. And, you know, a lot of the a lot of the uh, uh, disc jockeys that were talking about or the DJs that were talking about it made mention to a lot of the stuff that where they're like, oh, it used to be, you know, a little bit more local, a little bit better, a little bit, uh, you know, interest like they'd be able to play more interesting stuff. And then uh at one point, they even had said, you know, after 7 p.m. on a Friday, there's nobody at your radio station that you listen to. They've cut bumpers. They've put in voiceover work. It's programmed out in a computer, and that's the end of it. So there is no... Even those the ones that try and fake it, they put in the live calls and stuff like that, it's not real. And you go, is that true? And it is true. It's amazing. Like, I was... That was the part of the documentary. I was like, what? They're not there. I should get a job in radio, because I can just... You know, work Monday through Friday. Uh, but, uh, eh, but you know, I, there was something when I was interviewed, I did a, a doc, somebody actually interviewed me uh, for, a, for a show on when I was a public access producer. And one of the things that they pulled out of it, and they actually kind of said, wow, that was really poignant. They said, you know, like one of the things, of course you want to make it, and you want to be like, oh, I want to be, have my own TV show. I'd love, I want to make a movie. Oh my God. But then, on on a certain level, and I said this on air, you know, when I am making a public access show or when I'm making this show here, it's it's my creation. Like if I had a TV show, I couldn't have done what I did because they would have been like, no, one, you, you, this will alienate some people, and we have to sell advertising. No, this is a, this isn't hitting a sweet spot. They would use numbers and logic and crunch numbers and make it not my creation anymore. So. Although you're not getting the paycheck to do a public access show or, or, or podcasts, of course, a lot of people do podcasts now, um, it, it truly is your creation, you know. Even my shows on Radio St. Pete, I can't curse. Um, now, they don't limit the, the music I play, but the m- music I play can't have cursing in it. So, already, even at the like, entry level, there is some. I'm not complaining about it. I mean, he's. it's a product that he wants everyone to be able to listen to. Where on this sh- this thing it has an explicit tag, so I can c- say curse words whenever I want. I try not to too much, but I do, uh, be- just because I can. So it's and it was just uh, really interesting, you know, uh, fun, uh, fun. In if you're interested in any of that stuff, check out Corporate FM. It is a very good uh, documentary. I liked uh, the angles they were showing. Some of the stuff makes you scratch your head because you can't believe it. Uh, then I watched Akira, a movie I have. I I've, I own it. I've watched it numerous times. And this is another one, just like how I've talked over the years, I talk about a Death Race 2000. I hadn't watched this one for a while. And I watched it, and it was interesting that some of the things... If you watch a movie, and you really love it, and you watch it a lot, as you age and get older and change as a person, certain things in the movie mean different things at different points of your life. And that even, you know, I know people probably laugh when they say, Death Race 2000... Honest, I I mean it. I, I've watched it since I was a kid, and it's, uh, it's one of those things where, as I got older, certain things that I watched on that in that movie meant different things. And the same would happen with Akira, because I hadn't seen it for a while. Uh, that's one of those like kind of cornerstones of anime. If you need, if you want if you need street cred in the anime world, you better say Akira, otherwise they take your badge from you. It's weird. Uh, then I watched Replicant uh, with Jean Claude Van Damme, where he plays a bad guy and a good guy. Well, no, a bad guy and a and a clueless kind of idiot cyborg replicant thing. It was funny. Um, I always enjoy Jean Claude Van Damme movies. 
if you remember famously, I've watched every one of his movies in chronological order uh, that for this show, and uh, and really that was just an excuse so I could do it. <clears throat> and then I watched a movie called Punching the Clown, which was a very funny kind of documentary thing. It was uh, it won some award at Slam Dance in 2009. It was a more it was a more recent movie, but it was very funny. And then finally, The Ballad of Johnny Windows, which was just like a English mockumentary kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, that was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. Um, it, it certainly had some funny moments in it. So wow, Whew. my God! I, for a guy who just complained about not having enough time to watch movies, I sure watched a lot of movies this week. Man, it's okay, everyone. It's it's okay if I watch some movies. Uh, so there you have it. Now on with the show. I did want to. Uh, well. I'll play some trailers, and then when I come back, I'll talk about the movie I chose for this week, and then part of the reason why I chose it for this week, you'd be surprised. There was thought in, thought in processes involved. Weird, huh? All right, we'll be right back. Here's some trailers for your head. Hey, hey, it's your old pal Krusty for my new pork sandwich, The Clogger. If you can find a greasier sandwich, you're in Mexico. <laughs> you first saw him and entered the dragon. Now see him as he's never been seen before. Jim Kelly is Black Belt Jones. <laughs> see him train his own army of girl high jumpers to help penetrate the hideaway of one of the mob's biggest bosses. See him retrieve 25 grand from the mob's own vault, guarded by the toughest hoods in the underworld. See Black Belt Jones join forces with a super chick who's a smash at karate and really means business. Jim Kelly, international karate champ, and Gloria Henry are a super team in Black Belt Jones from Warner Brothers Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. When you're hit by Black Belt Jones, it's a smash hit. Marlon Brando. Ah! Richard Burton. James Coburn. Walter Matthau. And Ringo Starr. In the sweetest little movie, this side of psychopathia sexuality. Candy, a Selma Pictures presentation from the Cinerama Releasing Corporation in color. But is he faithful? Only to the book. And there has been right up. Ah! Thank you, Sarah, for your courage through the dark years. I can't help you with what you must soon face except to say that the future is not set. You must be stronger than you imagine you can be. You must survive or I will never exist. That's all. Have you ever walked through a graveyard late at night and seen a coffin open? Have you ever thought what it would be like to see a person's head amputated? Think. Think of things so horrible that the human mind cannot imagine them. See all this and more when you see on stage, in person, that crazy mixed up Dr. Evil and his tears of the unknown. Unlike anything that you've ever seen or heard of in the past. Hideous creatures from beyond the grave leave the stage and grab girls right out of their seats. Girls, do not come alone. Bring your boyfriend to protect you when the lights go out. You may find a live snake or rat under your seat. A real dead body is given away to some lucky person at every performance. Also in person. The mummy and King Kong, famous Hollywood gorilla, real and alive. Plus on the screen, two horrific motion pictures. Dr. Evil and his tears of the unknown. Plus two horrific pictures. <laughs> pigs, little pigs, let me come in. Not by the hair on your chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll blow your house in. And remember everyone, you can find a greasier sandwich, you're in Mexico. Alright, so... A uh, couple things that kind of came together for this week's choice. As you just heard, uh, I was a, a product of the 80s. Um, that was kind of when I, uh, before I uh, got a Cars and stuff of like that, I was I was always on my little BMX bike. I had a Schwinn Predator. That was my pride and joy. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, I had uh, I had talked about uh, a documentary, I wa- documentary crazy, a documentary I watched called Joe Kid on a Stingray. And that was from 2005. And it was kind of a, it was a real serious look at the history and evolution of BMX racing, BMX riding, 
and uh, you know it started had a lot of stars in it and stuff like that. But it prompted me to think about when they were talking about BMX bikes and they were talking about how you know that was kind of the golden age of it. And I was like, well, no, everyone has a BMX bike. And then I started thinking, when was the last time I saw kids in my neighborhood riding BMX bikes? Now, kids, some some kids have bikes, but they don't. They they're not like those the BMX bikes of my day where. You know, you identified with like, oh my God, he has a red line, or he has a, you know, he has a California Pro Mongoose. Uh, you know, the working man had the Schwinn Predator because uh, uh, didn't have a lot of money, but uh, but it was still a nice bike. It was a chrome molly frame, all that kind of stuff. And I started thinking more and more about, wow, that was really one of those things that was just from that time. You know, I love the '80s kind of stuff, and and uh, we always identify. If you're a younger person, you'll you don't know this yet, but you always kind of look back fondly of your childhood or your adolescence because things weren't so I don't want to say depressing downtrodden you you know you didn't have so many responsibilities you didn't have uh, you know even if you had not a great childhood or a great upbringing those were kind of the best times now that's people have great lives I have a great life I'm not complaining about it but when you're a kid your job consists of Trying not to get arrested, riding around on a, uh, on a bicycle and stuff like that with your friends, or just goofing around. You know, you didn't have a lot of like a lot of uh, uh, chains binding you down. And another thing from that time period was it wasn't so you weren't ha- you didn't have the technical leashes on you like the cell phones and the, oh my god, everyone knows where you are at all times. Your parents track you on your cell phones when you're a kid. We didn't have any of that crap. Okay, going to Paul's, bye. That was the end of the contact with your parents until the cops called or you came back home from Paul's place. You know, a friend's house. I just threw a name out there. So it was just like one of those things where that time and before that was a little bit more, I don't say innocent, but you just were kind of on your own a little bit more. Um, Boy, now there's just, every place has cameras, every place has cell phones, every place has everything. You're never really on your own. You know, we used to take mini bikes and bicycles and stuff and just ride off and go to the quarries and swim and all kinds of dumb stuff that you don't do now, you know. So when I was watching that Joe Kidona Stigray, I started thinking about that time period with BMX and that time period. And I was like, I wonder what, what movies are out there. And then I saw BMX Bandits from 1983 and I said, huh, that sounds pretty interesting. It wasn't, but it was still, I mean, it was a movie where I had never, I had heard of Rad, which was like, you know, uh, this BMX racing bike thing, but I still never saw that, and and for how much I loved BMX riding and, and bike riding, I never I never watched Rad or BMX Bandits. Now, this stars, um, it has a, a couple stars in it, but most famously, of course, is uh, Nicole Kidman's in this. Uh, you know, wife of ex-wife of Tom Cruise, or maybe current wife. I don't. I don't keep up with that. I think it's ex. Um, so, you know, it was just one of those weird things where I was like, "Well, okay, I'm gonna watch this." I didn't know anything about it, and um, you, you turn it on and you and you go, "Oh, wait a minute." The first thing you notice is the cars are a little bit wonky. You see, I mean, the whole montage in the beginning is this BMX bikes and kids doing stuff. And the kids were using pegs and stuff like that and doing some freestyling. And I don't remember that being very popular in the 80s, but I think that was when it was starting to come on. At this point, I still didn't know it was a, it was a movie that wasn't in America. So I'm watching it, I was like, okay, well, they're at the beach. This must be California. I know uh, BMX riding was big out in California. And then they, I, I reckon they, they started talking funny, and I reckon I saw a couple of cars, and I reckon, um, I reckon it was reckoned that it was uh, from Australia. And I went, oh, uh-oh, this is a secret foreign movie. I didn't know that. I, I was expecting, uh, uh, you know, American idiots, and I got uh, uh, Australian idiots. But, well, whatever. It was still fine. I didn't mind it. It was just one of those things where like, if you're not mentally prepared for something, you go, wait, what is this now? So it was... Uh, it was filmed in Manly and Sydney in uh, South Wales, and I don't know those things, but it was pretty cool. Um, so you see Kidman as this very, very young girl, and you're like, oh, wow, you know, uh, it's kind of cool when you see somebody before they hit it. I know, uh, you know, famously, um, oh, not Mel Gibson, damn it. Uh, 
Uh, Kurt Russell. Uh, I'm losing my brains. I was like, uh, I love this guy. I love him as an actor. He, there's a, there's like some really funny stuff when he was a kid. Like he was in commercials and stuff like that. So when you see him, you're kind of like, oh, that's cool. You know, uh, I, I literally, my, my brain just came out of my nose a little bit. I had to yell out of the room and say, oh, who's that guy married to Kurt, married to Goldie Hawn, which he isn't married to Goldie Hawn. They're just, they've been together forever. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So, you, you know, when you see young Nicole Kidman and, and, and the, you got oh that's cool so it's interesting um it's this movie is like so weird cuz you know the synopsis of this basically is there's this group of BMX kids there's two boys and then Nicole Kidman and some bank robbers are planning a heist and they steal the walkie-talkies that are needed for the heist and then the bad guys from this gang who are kind of bumbling idiots are chasing them for the rest of the movie. And you go, okay. And it's like, that's it. That That is the movie. And you're kind of like, all right. And then you start seeing, I don't know, just, it's just, it, it was very, very loose, let's put it that way. But then, you know, then Kid Power prevails. So it was like, all right. But uh, it was neat to see some of the BMX stunts and some of the BMX riding. They, they were really trying to feature that. And that's, Fad movies always pop up. Whenever something's cool or hip or with it, then automatically there will be some movies, you know, glorifying it and te- embellishing it. Of course, you know, how many of those dance dance movies are out there? Like, oh, bring it from the street, and they're going to challenge people to dance offs and stuff. I I don't think I don't believe that there's ever in the history of the world been a dance off. I, I I don't you know, and th- th- you can say, oh yeah, there was nope, you're, you're wrong. It, it was a fake. It was staged by the movie companies. No one has ever challenged anyone to a dance-off in the history of dancing. Since dancing began, began in, in back in prehistoric time, no one has ever had a dance-off. But, but movies say, oh yeah, look at look at this. I'm going to challenge this team and we're a dance team. And you're like, no, there's no such thing. That's not real. Uh, so yeah, so this was where they said, oh, BMX is really hot. Every kid in the world is going to go see this, right? Well, they missed me, but in a small town, Pennsylvania didn't have... Any of them Aussie films? They were like, "Oh, we already, we already let you have ACDC. That's that's all we're gonna take from Australia. That's 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 what Slayton, Pennsylvania. There was a law that said, okay, if you live in Slayton, Pennsylvania, it's, you're gonna get ACDC or BMX Bandits. Pick one." And then the, the 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 tribunal met at the Copper Penny and said, "Well, we're only gonna let the you know we're gonna let ACDC." And then they go, okay, well, cool. So everyone go get your black and black albums, and then then no more. That's no BMX Bandits. And they're like, "Well, we can live with that decision." I think they, they they chose poor they chose right I mean they, I I think they chose well anyway that's all fake so anyway so now we get into it like there's some BMX riding and these kids are just kind of riding around and they're like yeah this is fun and yay and then Nicole Kidman accidentally like pushes some some uh, carts out in front and these kids break their BMX bikes and they're like wah wah now what are we gonna do they reckon they're gonna go find some stuff to fix it. And I'm saying that a lot because I wish I would have had my little clicky thing because I think they reckon, they say reckon about, I reckon it was about 2,000 times in this movie. And I'm used to hearing that from all my kung fu movies because a lot of those uh, kung fu movies from China were dubbed in Australia and they reckon a lot of stuff in <laughs> in those kung fu movies. But I reckon I've never heard them reckoning like this before in my life because it was 20 trillion times they said it. That's a that's an exaggeration. Anyway, so now we have our two guys and Nicole Kidman's there, and then there's this big doofy fat kid who is hilariously eating all the time because that's what fat people do. And you just never stop eating, and uh, oh, that's sad. And then they then then there's this bank heist, and there's uh, these that's where and that's the part because they were riding around mostly, so I wasn't hearing them talk. And during the bank heist, I was like, what kind of car is that? And they had that like long. Uh, 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 license plate on the front, and I was like, "Is this in England?" And then I reckon I found out it was in England. It was Australia, because <laughs> the cars are different and, and everything's different. But you're looking at, it, you're like, "Well, this is this set in England? I don't know. I didn't hear those, you know, like that little uh, uh, cop noises that England is famous for." So no, it wasn't. It's, it's Australia. that's when you go, "Oh no, secret Australian movie." Or I could have just read a little bit about this before I watched it, but I don't do that. So then there's this bank heist and it goes well, you know, and they get and they get away with the money and that's when the the they're now we're in the the bad guys lair and they're like oh, okay the king bad guy comes in and he says here's your cut for all the money, um we're gonna hit this next place in two days and this is where he lays out the whole shtick with like 
okay, this is a payroll job. We're gonna we're gonna take steal the whole truck and put in a bigger truck and drive away. But we need these special tr- um, radios that have been, you know, they've been modified t- to hear the police bands and all whatever. It was very vague, but whatever. So he's like, you're in charge of the vehicles, you're in charge of the guns, and you two bumbling idiots, my two biggest doofuses, you're in charge of getting the the walkie-talkies from the drop point. Plot point right here. So they're like, okay, we'll do that. And the, and the one guy kind of looks like a, a, a like flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but kind of not. Uh, and then there's the other guy who drives this uh, the big LTD uh, forest, uh, old Ford car. So our, while they don't have bikes... Our heroes, uh, you know, Kidman and the two guys, they get, they go out on, a, they reckon they go out and have some fun on, a, on a little inflatable boat, and they're riding around, and they're trying to uh, get muscles off of the, off of the, the buoys and all that stuff around, because they can sell those, and then that, that's all, all money towards their fixing their BMX bikes, and our bad guys jump into one of those like speed boats with the big motor and stuff like that, and they're, they're racing around. And Kidman and the other two happen upon this rope, and they pull it up, and there's this big bound box. Uh huh. These are the walkie-talkies, but they don't know what they are, so they pull them up, and they're like, "Well, let's take them, and maybe it's something we can sell because we need our bikes." So they take the they take this box back, and they go onto the pier, and the speedboat pulls up to where the drop point was supposed to be, and they're like, "Oh my God, they're gone! It must have been those kids, those meddling kids." So they're chasing after them. And at this point, they don't. The, our, our hero Kidman and the two don't know that uh, what is it, Whitey and Whitey Mustache and Judy. Uh, Nicole Kidman is Judy. So they're um. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. That's I, I got it wrong. It's Goose and PJ and Judy. Mustache and Whitey are the bad guys. That's right. But I'm just gonna call them Flea and other guy. So you know, Goose and PJ and Judy. They're they go into this little like work area. You know where there's a boat being worked on some of that, and they they open up this box and they're like, "Wow, these are walkie-talkies. Let's go see the range." And uh, the bad guys come in and they're like, "Oh, where'd those kids go?" And they're like, oh, "I don't." And then one guy just points. He's like, "Oh, over there somewhere." So, but they just missed them. So now the kids find out that the range on these things is is like super far. They go to the farthest points of of Australia land, and there's kangaroos and everything. No, there's not. And they're talking to each other and they're like, "Oh, okay. Well, these these are great. Let's sell these for." 20 bucks each, and then we'll, we'll have enough for bikes. And they're like, yay for bikes. And, uh, you know, so they sell them. They show them selling them to people. And at this point, now the bad guys are like, oh, my God, we got to get those back. Because the, the head bad guy's like, well, if you don't get those back, I'm going to murder you. So uh, ups the stakes a little bit. So, uh, you know, so Flea and, uh, and, and other guy are now are in hot pursuit. And you're like, uh-oh, what's going to happen, you know? Because uh, eh, these kids are just buying them all over the place, and although they make fun of him all the time, you know, fat guy, fat kid, he's the one with the, uh, you know, he buys it. They kind of t- they 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 charge him more because he's a, you know he's a because he's a fat kid, so they have to charge him more because it's comedy. Uh, so he you know, but, but so they all have these walkie talkies. Now the kids are like talking on them and stuff like that, but the bad guys are like really coming down on. Them. They're like, oh, we know that there's a fort there. Now what happened now? Because the kids are talking on the walkie-talkie. I know it's like I'm like, ugh. There's not a lot in this movie, but you have to remember how it goes. Then the kids are talking on the walkie-talkies, and the police start hearing it, and they're like, "Wait, get off this line! This is a this is a police channel. You're not you're not allowed to have this." And now the police are looking for them too. So the police are looking for the who has these walkie-talkies. Our bad guys are looking for who has the walkie-talkies, and the kids are out. Selling said walkie-talkies. All right, let's go. I'm going to take a trailer break, and then we come back. We're going to find out how does this wacky shenanigans all come to a head. I'm sure you know already. All right, here's, uh, here's some trailers. I'll be right back. You don't know the power of the dark side. If more than anything you want love, then I, Emmanuel, will teach you to love with all the freedom of a man and all the imagination of a woman. I will show you how to awaken the mysteries of love hidden in all of us. You will be liberated and will say with me, nothing is wrong if it feels good. Paramount Pictures presents the all-new Emmanuel, the joys of a woman. Rated X, no one under 17 admitted. Out of the depths of darkness rises Garganta, the true king of monsters. 
He's on his way, alive, in person, to scare the yell out of you. Garganta on the stage in Dr. Siltini's giant triple scream show for the first time on any stage. The stage show that brought you the Frankenstein monster in person now brings you direct from Hollywood, Garganta, the giant gorilla of the universe, alive and in person in a three-hour performance filled with more chills, thrills, laughs than you've ever experienced in this century. It is engrossing, exciting, fascinating, filled with tense climaxes, gripping scenes, beautiful starlets. Yes, it's Garganta, this wild, inhuman menace, this 782 pounds of dynamite that makes Kong the gorilla look like a monkey. And that's not all. During the dark seance when all the lights are dim, ghosts, spirits, and vampires descend into the audience. You may find yourself holding a ghost, your girl, or someone else's girl. So watch out when the lights go out. But as Mae West would say, it'll separate the men from the boys. In New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, critics have proclaimed this stage attraction to be the show you must not miss. Even though it's a stage presentation to send you home in frantic flight, there are also some very eye-appealing scenes created by these beautiful Hollywood starlets in gorgeous costumes designed by Adrian. Yes, it's a stage show for everyone. But those of you under 16, please be accompanied by an adult. Not only because of what takes place during the performance in the Dark Sea Ants, but the adult may be afraid to walk home alone. Now is your first and only chance to see in person, on stage, and alive, Garganta, the giant gorilla of the universe. Watch for it. Remember the time, the place, and the date to see Garganta, alive, and in person. you more than Michael Bay missed the mark when he made Pearl Harbor I miss you more than that movie missed the point and that's an awful lot girl and now now you've gone away and all I'm trying to say is Pearl Harbor sucked and I Frankenstein, maker of monsters, creates the most monstrous nightmare of all. Frankenstein and the monster from hell. Frankenstein and the monster from hell. From Paramount Pictures, rated R. Under 17, not admitted without Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberries. Is there someone else up there we could talk to? No, now go away, or I shall taunt you a second time. Wow. So so the, the ripoff of King Kong was three hours long, and I thought that's how long that uh, trailer was going to be. <laughs> they just kept talking, huh? Uh, I did look it up just because I had to know, and it was, uh, it was an 11-year marriage to Tom Cruise, and then now she's married to... Keith Urban, Urban, I don't know, Urban, I guess. I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about uh, Kong, 
is married to them. No, Nicole Kidman. So, yes. Ah, born in Honolulu. Wow. Some get, some people got all the all the breaks. Anyway, I digress. So, now, <clears throat> I'm going to... Uh, this is where this movie kind of becomes a little... Just kind of like, you know, padding the movie. It's... it's it, there's not a whole lot going on, even though stuff's happening. Like, you see these chase scenes, and these, you know, like, there's a lot of, like, the bad guys now are on the trail of these kids. And, oh, I forgot to mention the kids. Now that they sold all these walkie talkies, except for some of them, they have some of them floating around. Now that they sold these, they went and they got some tricked out BMX bikes, and they also uh, got matching uniforms, which as I have a. a, a, a Silk screening side business. I say I have a no. Sorry for the stutter. I have a silk screening business, and I saw these BMX bandit shirts, and I was like, oh, I'm making those because they're awesome. So they're all wearing matching like outfits, and two of the guys have California pros, nice mongooses, and she has a bike. I never heard the name before. She's wearing the jersey at the end of the movie of this bike. Again, it was famous in 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 Australia, never in America. So now they're riding some tricked out rides. And this is where the BMXing really starts to show because they're just jumping on stuff and riding through stuff and riding through malls. And there's always these bumbling idiots chasing them and just missing them. And, you know, it, it doesn't. One of the weird things about this movie is it seems like it's just one of those typical kids, funny, goofy movies. But it's also parts of this are very serious where, like, that guy is going to kill him. And, you know, it. it so it's it's a little odd as far as some of that stuff. Like, either be serious or be a kid's comedy, which is, that's essentially what this is, you know. It's just a silly BMX movie, you know. Now, I know you have to have stakes, but if you watch something like Joysticks, where the stakes in that movie are, we're going to shut down the, the arcade if, if, if the arcaders win, you know. So it's not like it's like, I'm going to kill you, you know. <laughs> it's a little little uh, even more evenly paced. Joysticks is more evenly paced than BMX Bandits. I'll go on record right now. And that means nothing to anybody. That that statement is just like nothing. So anyway, now, and, and they're showing off doing lots of tricks, and then there's a little try, like a, there's a part where they go into a, a graveyard, and then Nicole Kidman falls into a grave, and then the one guy says, I, you know, he's kind of hit, hitting on her, uh, but she likes the other one, you know, Goose is hitting on her, but then it turns out she likes Maverick. Oh, literally. Wow. How's that one for a joke? No. So, so Goose is the one that, you know, likes her, but PJ is the studlier one. So she's, she's like, ah, she's like, I like you as a friend. And he, you know, he, so he gets friend zoned pretty quick. Um, but that's okay. Cause they're kids and BMX bikes. Yeah. So now they're just, at one point they're destroying like this, they're 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 riding through this like this shopping area and the bad guys are just maniacally running stuff over. And then there's this one scene where they kind of go into this water park. This is like I'm saying. This is like if this is an hour and a half long movie. I, I don't know the exact runtime. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, 88 minutes. At this point, 45 minutes of this are just bikes being chased by a car. And and. That might sound fun, but it gets a little less fun as the move as the movie ticks along. There's one part where they go down these water slides, and they make that like the actors and, and the actress is they're holding these bikes that aren't bikes. Like they're made of like I don't even know what these are. I don't understand the whole thing. Maybe the the water slide owner said, "Well, you're not taking those bikes down because if they scratch that expensive water slide, you owe me thirty thousand dollars." So maybe they made these out of like PVC pipes or something. They were horrible. They, they, I, it was so, like when I looked at, it, I was like, "What am I looking at here?" Because then they, when they come out of the pond at the bottom, they ca- they have their regular bikes, of course. So they just must have said, probably the owner was like, "You're not scratching up my, you know, my expensive water slides," and they're like, "Okay, well, we'll just make something out of." cardboard or something they they were really it was funny it was so like okay then don't show them or something but whatever uh so then uh you know and, and then this guy's the, the 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 guy that looks like flea like smashes up the guy's car so they're driving around in like a wacky mobile kind of thing you know and then the cops are getting closer to this and they're like okay why why is this happening and they pull them in and then they kind of don't 
say anything. They don't admit to anything other than just finding these things and selling them, which they're like, okay, well, get out of here. And he's like, oh, I have an idea. We can help you catch them. And the cops are like, get out of here. We don't, we're not going to, we're not partnering up with some kids to, 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 to get these bad guys. But so they steal the box back, the evidence box of that used to hold all the things. And they say to the bad guys, we'll meet you with the remaining um, walkie talkies. So they're like, yay. So, but it's a ruse. So they show up, and the bad guy takes the box, and they're like, "Ha ha, funny," because they had given all the kids they all the kids banded together on these BMX bikes, and they're on a watchouts on all the roads, and they were going to track down to where the bad guy is, where they end up. Then they're going to tell the cops, and they're going to win. Well, the bad guy also grabbed Nicole Kidman, which is weird on a lot of levels. So anyway, they're driving, and 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 they they go to the where the bad guy's hideout is. And all the kids along the roads are like are radioing in, so so PJ and Goose can like track their movements. And then they go, oh, there, you know, we we found out where they are. So these kids converge on their BMX bikes, and the bad guys are there, and they're like they have their poles and guns and stuff like that. And the kids are riding up and hitting them with flower bombs and knocking them over and kicking them, and it's funny and yay kid power. And uh, you know. And they tr- they kind of get away, but then the two our two heroes, uh, PJ and Goose, climb on top of this truck, and the truck slides into a foam fertilizing thing, and a rave happens. And then they arrest them, and yay for kid power. And at the very end, they show them riding around in the on now that because of this show of force, and they got the reward money. Now Manly said Manly Australia now has a BMX track, which someone on the IMDb Tribune said, "Oh no, that is a that's actually a track that was in uh what's it was it was actually Hickley's Lane BMX track and it's no longer in use. It was a cross uh, da, 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 I don't know. Was, uh, yeah, in Pen Penrith, South Florida, New South Wales, Australia. Oh my God, I'm butchering the language and I'm reading it. Wow, I, apparently I forgot how to read it at one point. So anyway." And then they have like a whole montage of kids like BMX racing, and yay for kid power. And that was the end of the movie. Now it it was kind of funny. It got a little really. I I originally thought I was gonna watch um, the BMX Bandits and then follow it up with Rad and have a twofer. I didn't have it in me. I was like, I I can't I can't watch two of these because I'm pretty sure Rad probably just devolves into the same thing BMX Bandits was. You know, usually. They're not going to go too far out of the box with that kind of stuff, and uh, it was awesome. If you like, if you like that kind of stuff, if you lo- if you're a kid of the '80s and you like BMX bikes, well, by all means, go. You should watch BMX Bandits because it was funny. You know, um, it's cool seeing a young Nicole Kidman in the wild. What can I tell you? I don't know. Other than that. It's not a whole lot. If you don't like BMX bikes or if you don't look back on the 80s with fondness, then this probably isn't the movie for you. Um, you know, I'm going to say it's a, it's a solid, like, six, six and a half. Uh, you know, there's tons of... Well, hell, go watch Joe Kidd on a Stingray if you really like BMX stuff. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then then uh, Netflix will say, hey, hey, if you like that, you should watch this. And you and you could. It's out there for free on a streaming network. You know, it's not like I didn't buy it or anything like that. All right, that's it. That's all I'm going to say for this, for BMX Bandits. Yay yay for BMX kids power and flower bombs and total dumbness. And apparently yay for, uh, what, foam fertilizer? What the hell is foam fertilizer? That must be an Australian thing. Never heard of it. Or maybe it was just an excuse for our bad guys to crash into a pile of foam. I don't know. One or the other. That would be nasty to crash into foam fertilizer. Ugh. So, okay, I digress. Enough of my yammering. Uh, BMX Bandits, it's a fun ride if you like the 80s and BMX bikes. And if you don't like either of those two things, then I would not watch it. Because it would be like, this is stupid. Alright, see you for Big Show 300. Sing us out of here, Green Slime. Uh, just a drink. A martini, shaken, not stirred. Pour it on, Morris. Give it everything she's got.
gotta give me a ride. I'm way too big to drive to the devil's house. any more like laughing than I do right now. 